This is the LAW Podcast Series with Peter Gowers, the podcast to connect LAW members and have some fun talking about their personal and professional lives. Hello there and welcome. This is the LAW Podcast Series. My name is Peter Gowers. In this episode of the podcast, we are headed to Jakarta in Indonesia and we're going to speak with Afradia. Saraswati, partner at Akset Law Associates, based there in Jakarta. Dia, or Daya, I should say, welcome to the LAW podcast series. Hello, Peter. It's really nice to be here, finally, uh, and to be talking to you. I'm really it's looking nice forward for you. this. Yeah, yeah. I am too, and thank you for being very keen to come on and uh, tell your story to us. Yeah, sure. So, we'll get started. and. One of the first questions that we've been asking uh, the guests is, whereabouts are you from in Indonesia? Ah, that part of the story probably won't be as exciting as the others. Uh, I've, I was born and raised in Jakarta, <laughs> Indonesia. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I only spent one year outside Jakarta during my master uh, uh, study in, uh, in North Carolina, actually, in Durham, in U.S., but other than that, most of the time, of course, in Jakarta, yes. So tell us a bit about Jakarta. Those who are from uh, the southern part of the world, like I am in Australia, we, of course, know about Indonesia and, uh, you know, we know it's quite a large population country, Jakarta being the capital and a big city. But tell us a bit yeah. about it. Well, Jakarta is uh, the capital and really is uh, a melting pot, like, just like uh, other uh, metropolitan cities uh, or capital cities in the world. Uh, even though I was born and raised in Jakarta, but, uh, and I mean, live most of my life in Jakarta, but uh, because there are so many different uh, race and, and uh, culture and languages, uh, it, I mean, internally, the Indonesian dialects, we have so many dialects and uh, race uh, and cultures. Uh, so the upbringing also influenced by those different cultures. I mean, between my parents from Sumatra and Java, those already different cultures themselves. Yeah, and uh, Jakarta is located in, of course, Java Island, as uh, uh, maybe some of you know. And we are in Southeast Asia. <laughs> some some people probably in uh, uh, far different countries um, asking where is it exactly located. And I usually ask, do you know where Singapore is? It's right beneath Singapore or Malaysia. Yes. If you know Malaysia, it's right beneath Malaysia, and it's kind of uh, in the northern part of Australia. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's just the, it is yeah. very close. And of course, um, those who have uh, most people would know this, but those who've ever been to Bali um, have already been to Indonesia, but perhaps not not realised in some cases. Exactly, exactly. It's not it's not really surprising when we when we met uh, people the first time. And where you 
from I'm from Jakarta, Indonesia. Oh, I don't know where is Indonesia. Well, yeah, it's in Southeast Asia. Oh, okay, okay. Well, anyway, um, I'm going to stop over in Bali. Well, it is in Indonesia. <laughs> that is my plan. Will be stopping over in Bali. That is Indonesia. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Bali is a lot more famous. And you mentioned Malaysia there as well. Like Malaysia, Indonesia is made up of many islands. Right, right. Yeah, probably um, mostly um, we have more islands because there are small islands and some big islands. Yeah, uh, I think in total about seventeen thousand islands. But of course, most of them are yeah. not. Uh, you you can't live in those small islands. Yeah. yeah. One thing that's always interested me about Indonesia is that, uh, and you know, those of us from Australia are obviously very aware of where it is, and Jakarta being the capital and the the trading hub uh, or the business hub, um, is why do the different islands um, operate under it's not different law as such, but of course, you know, Bali's known for its way of life and its religious followings, etc., and in, uh, Jakarta being different than that, is each sort of um, island operated as a separate state, as it were? We do have uh, what is the system almost like the uh, federal uh, or and state system like in the US or maybe like in Australia also. So we have the what we call provinces, uh, the the it's equal like states and uh, the national is like federal. So we do have different regulations, but usually when there are different regulations between provinces, uh, it will be only uh, uh, small, only contain uh, small changes or small differences. It's not going to be that uh, significant. And the significance probably mostly on the the, the geographic uh, situation. Some of the islands are what we call the outer part of the the nation uh, or the country, uh, the outer part of the territory. And then some are uh, having huge uh, natural resources or um, mining uh, deposits. That's why they have different kind. Or like in Bali, for instance. Uh, Bali has specific regulations that do not uh, permit uh, certain activities that would impose on more on uh, environment pollution uh, environmental uh, damages or natural uh, or pollutions to the the uh, natural environments because of it's heavily dependent on uh, tourism so you cannot do certain activities or businesses in Bali because of that such as the yeah uh Coal-fired uh, power plant. There are there's only one in Bali, and that's the closest, uh, the outer, the most outer part, it, closest to Jawa Island. That's the only one, and there's no more. And they will not allow more of that because of the pollution from the smoke and others. Mm. Yeah, yeah, right. And and you mentioned that you're uh, born and bred in Jakarta, but uh, your parents are from other islands, so. Um, could you talk a little bit about where they're from and what their islands are like? Well, um, my mom was from uh, south, uh, from West Sumatra, what is the Padang or Minangkabau, uh, is known of. Uh, maybe also uh, Minang Minang people uh, is from West Sumatra, and 
They also uh, traveled to Malaysia thousands of years ago, and that's why we also have descendants uh, that are in Malaysia. And my father is from uh, East Java, East Java from uh, Surabaya or the other that the closest uh, closer to uh, Bali Island. The cultures are very much different. The 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 side of the my mom uh, are matrilineal actually matriarch uh, matriarch or West uh, mm. Sumatra. So the women are more um, usually we are more uh, independent and because yeah the inheritance laws are different in in West Sumatra. All the assets go to the daughters and the wives. So the, the sons, ah. the sons or the brothers will have to go out and get their own, find their own, uh, <laughs> yeah, assets. They have to work and they have to get their own assets. So land can only be sold uh, uh, in in uh, uh, for for the female uh, families usually from mothers, uh, grandmothers, daughters, uh, nieces. Wow. That's for the protection of the. That's uh, originally is like that, uh, and but in West Sumatra itself, it's still mostly applied like that. Meaning, uh, when you have individual landowners, then uh, it must be under the names of the mothers or any of the female uh, inheritance. And yeah, from the father's side is. More typical Javanese, maybe uh, more uh, patrilineal, more patriarchal, the, the male dominance. Uh, so when I was little, I remember there was some confusions when I met uh, the grandparents from the mothers and the fathers, mm. because my grandfather from mother's side used to tell me, when you talk to people, when you talk to me, you look at them in the eye. So I do look at my grandparents, my parents in the eye. But when I met with my my father's side and my grandmother talked to me and I look at her in the eye and she was, why are you staring at me? And why are you talking back at me with your eyes? And I was like, I was confused. I was told yeah. I had to look at you in the eye because it will be disrespectful for Sumatra people when you do not look at in the eye. But for Japanese, when you talk to older, the elderly, it will be disrespectful when you look at them in the eye. You have to wow. like, yeah. That's so different, it, isn't it? It's interesting. It's interesting. Well, at yeah. least that was 40 years ago, 30 years ago. I don't yeah. think it's it's much like that anymore uh, in these days. Right. And, and for those coffee drinkers uh, among <laughs> us, of course, uh, the Java coffee or Java style being uh, one of the most famous variants on the planet, that's uh, from your homelands. Yeah, and I'm drinking it now. <laughs> I've been sipping my coffee. <laughs> it's oh, really? Me too. Yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's um, let's delve into the law side of things now, Daya, and talk about uh, what inspired you to pursue a career in the law. Um, career in the in the law again. This was kind of influenced by my my uncles and aunties from my mother's side because um, there were some of them, uh, most of them, uh, who who 
when studying for university who got their degrees from universities they they got the the law degrees uh, because probably those were easier than medicine doctors or the others from my father's side there was a, there was a doctor but from my mother's side there were three law graduates so uh, I thought okay uh, I took a law degree but I didn't really know what to do after that because at the time I guess in the <clears throat> mid 90s in the early 90s um, corporate lawyer or corporate lawyering are not very famous we're not very famous yet in in Indonesia usually there were only only I think the corporate lawyers or corporate law firms were only uh, starting to to uh, establish in the early 80s and for uh, 90s that's why it's not very famous mostly people thought that when you take a law degree then you may work for government, you may become a district attorney, you may become a judge, or you will work as an in-house counsel in banks. Because in those years, uh. in the 90s, banks were the most popular after the old companies, then the banks. Those are the only two options, like where you're going to work. So uh, I was very lucky to get the opportunity for an, a summer intern in Becker McKenzie, Jakarta, uh, in my last year uh, of uh, law study, and that introduced me to what a uh, corporate lawyer uh, lawyering was. And then after that, I just decided this is what I wanted to do as my profession. Mm. And which uh, areas of law do you spend most of your time practicing? MA, mostly. Yeah, MA, a little bit of. Uh, dispute resolution and every uh, year or every other year of, uh, there must be some uh, debt restructuring, uh, uh, co- corporate reorganization and, and stuff like that, but mostly M&A. Yeah. And within within Indonesia itself or, or international as well? Um, because we cannot practice other than uh, under other than Indonesian law practice, so usually we we when we work together with foreign councils when there are uh, cross border transactions, then we cover our own. But of course, yes, uh, for export import, uh, sell and purchase, acquisition, or even dispute, uh, we we do uh, cross border. Uh, uh, transactions with others, and I, I had an opportunity to appear before the uh, Singapore uh, Supreme Court uh, once for some international um, commercial court uh, case uh, about six years ago. Uh, it was it was it was nice. It was great actually. It was the first uh, uh, experience for me to appear before a foreign court as a foreign uh, counsel. Did you find any difference between how you're used to things working in a courtroom and and how things worked in the courtroom in Singapore? Definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, There were more, well, first of all, uh, it was the first um, international uh, commercial court case in Singapore ever. So uh, it was quite interesting how challenging for everyone was, including for the judges or for the 
yeah, for the judges because the rules were new. Everyone was just adapting to the new rules, uh, studying the new uh, requirements. Uh, but uh, all in all, from Indonesian side, probably uh, I would say that it's a lot more organized in Singapore and also uh, well planned in terms of um, timing, uh, scheduling. And, but also the preparation, I think it's a lot of preparation comparing to in Indonesia, probably. I, 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 I never felt the kind of stress preparing for a court case in Indonesia, the way that it happened in Singapore. Like, I mean, we never had to bring uh, the whole uh, car of documents, a worth of documents, like tens of binders <laughs> that require one separate car to bring to the court. Like in Indonesia, we don't really do that. I mean, it could be a lot, but it's not that many. And But also the, the judges are, are very much more um, strict to the to the practice and legal uh, boundaries. Yeah. While in Indonesia, I think there are also some uh, other considerations uh, uh, that can be put uh, into into like assumptions, things like that. Although, although strangely or uniquely. Actually, it's the other way around. The other way around. Our regulation actually only only recognize what are specifically mentioned in regulations, and also even uh, our system, Indonesian system, we're not bound to the previous court uh, cases decisions. But in reality, during the hearings, uh, we may hear more uh, kind of assumptions or personal views from experts or from uh, witnesses. Yeah. Interesting. Did you feel like you were uh, representing Indonesia somewhat when you were appearing in the Singaporean courts? Uh, I would like to think so, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and typically with the uh, M&A side of things, uh, what, what, what are some of the uh, – obviously you don't need to give anything confidential away here, but what are some of the sort of um, – you know, day-to-day -day type of M&A things that you work on? Day-to-day -day type of M&A usually starting with uh, legal due diligence uh, for clients who want to, if we if we represent the buyer of uh, M&A, M&A could be assets or uh, shares acquisition, but mostly shares. Uh, so if we represent the buyer, then we will assist them in doing the legal due diligence and uh, preparing all the, the initial documentation. But if we sometimes if we also represent the seller, we also do the legal due diligence only as the <clears throat> some kind of Bible documents or Bible um, report uh, to make sure that everyone is already aware on the potential issues that the potential buyer will uh will bring up uh, uh, eventually. <clears throat> so it's kind of the, the laundry list preparation and how to mitigate issues, how to uh, correct uh, the situations, yeah, things like that. And then um, negotiations of transaction documents, uh, when, when we get to that phase, preparing, preparing the negotiation, uh, the, the transaction documents, and then finally closing and do the post-closing which is more administrative uh, side. Mm. Yeah. Uh, do you represent uh, 
companies of any size or do you more specialize in M&A within you know, companies of certain sizes? The, in the size, we, we're not really picky because we're an independent law firm and we're mid-sized independent law firm. So we can't really say that we only represent the 500 fortunes uh, company. Yeah. Uh, we, so we basically represent whoever uh, a decent clients, paying yeah. clients. And um, in terms of the industry, mostly I represent energy, infrastructure, mining, and um uh, some financing uh, company also. Uh, now towards the the there are more expanded or varied uh, industries such as in the renewable industries like EV, electric vehicle, the battery companies, yeah, mm. recycling, uh, recycling plant companies, uh, all that. Yeah. You're seeing a lot more electric vehicles on the roads these days. Uh the factories already built. Uh, you you may uh, heard this. Uh, we have uh, Hyundai uh, already starting their production, and I think the BYD, the Chinese uh, EV, will also start their uh, production. Uh, so now in the preparation stage, but uh, there's still not that many uh, EVs on the road uh, because it's quite new and. I think most importantly is how to change the mindset of the customers or the consumers. Uh, yeah. Because in Indonesia, to be honest with you, we're not there yet in, in the sense of people know what is to be environment friendly or to be uh, sustainable in our day-to-day life. We, mm. we, we only think when, when, Common people in general, when you ask them in Indonesia, what can you do to preserve the environment? It will be confusing to them. Probably the mm. only answer that you will hear most of the time, uh, well, I should put the trash in the trash bin, mostly. Because, yeah. because that's what they think. When I don't, when I just litter everywhere, then it may be uh, flooding as usual in Indonesia. But yeah. people don't really understand there are a lot more than it like um we don't really yeah like the use of reusable bottle and all that uh it's 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 not very common yet in indonesia still very very small yeah. portion of the uh, community or of the of the population understands those so mm. ev is really about environment friendly and and, and sustainability right even it is for some, it is also questionable because of the battery. Yeah. But yeah, I can talk for hours about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. And it definitely does start with putting the trash out. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. As yeah, you yeah. said, there's a lot more we can do. But we, yeah, we won't yeah. get onto that. Um, yeah. So in, in regards to the areas of law that you do practice in, how did you get into those? Was that by choice? Was it by default? How did that happen? Well, for the MA part, it's kind of by default because that's most uh, most uh, services that we do as corporate lawyer. But for the industry part, part, it's kind of by choice, but also incidentally, because when I started doing the energy and mining, uh, and I, even uh, at first the the bankruptcy uh, cases, yeah, the, the first. Uh, 
years of my uh, practice was actually mostly for debt restructuring, bankruptcy uh, cases and all that. It was my choice because at that time, um, when I had some free time, I, I mentioned this, I always mention this every other year or so to our junior associates so that they can learn. Uh, I When I had spare time uh, in my young time, younger time, uh, I used them to study the laws that I like, but also the ones that were not really um, expertise or uh, uh, done by anyone else. So there were new bankruptcy law, there were some mm. energy and mining laws in my early 20s. And there was no expert in the firm except the partners. There was no associate expert uh, uh, being expert uh, in the firm. So I would say that it was kind of self-taught for mm. uh, some areas. And that's why uh, I we keep reminding our young associates that when they say that, oh, I want to do something, uh, but I'm waiting for the opportunity for me to do those. And I said, uh, me and the other partners, we, we kept saying, well, it doesn't always have to be like that, uh, you know, because you can start by being a good, be, being good at something first and then sell your expertise to internally to your partners and your senior associates that you're good at something by writing or making something summary or report or something about uh, those kind of uh, area of practice. Then basically you're marketing yourself and then you can get more exposure from that. So yeah, that's, that's, I am very grateful that uh, I get the support from the partners who let me use my spare time to study what I like and then becoming good at those. Yeah. Mm. So bankruptcy laws in Indonesia or, or the law in general, what what how would you describe the, the legal system in Indonesia? Well, uh, that's a very big question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 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 legal system uh, or maybe maybe I, if I may just make it a smaller into bankruptcy, maybe sure. bankruptcy and that's restructuring. Um uh, it's a lot more established now uh, since the crisis in 1998 because most of our laws, uh, even until now, the civil code, the criminal code, uh, many are still uh, derived from or inherited from the Dutch era. Uh, but in 1998, we have the first... Uh, Reborn bankruptcy law because of the crisis, and we have all the intervention or the well, the help, the assistance, <laughs> <laughs> not intervention <laughs> from IFC, from uh, the World Bank, from ADB, from basically all the international organization uh, or OECD, and they also had our judges train on how the modern uh, world. Uh, does the bankruptcy cases, the, the moratorium, that moratorium, or the like the chapter 11 in the US um, cases. Uh, and then from there, uh, we had the first commercial court, um, which now becoming one of the most modern uh, courts in Indonesia, because we had the first, um, I would say, a pioneering 
pioneer of more uh, organized system, like I mentioned in uh, in Singapore before. We had that. We started uh, having that from 1998, like very strict uh, timeline on uh, how long you can, uh, you must finish the, the proceeding for bankruptcy and on or moratorium. And that as a start was followed by all the other uh, court proceedings now. Now we also have those kind of uh, stricter timeline. In the past, before the year 2000, probably, uh, one case, one civil case can go on on and on and on before the, the court decision, before the court verdict, maybe for a year or two years. But now mostly we have between six to eight months, which I heard in South Asia, it, it, that already is considered fast comparing to the other oh, yeah. jurisdictions yes but for bankruptcy it has to be done in 60 days or two months for the first instance and so on that that that's even faster but for the others at least six months to eight months yeah mm, to stop it so, dragging on right right i would say that it's getting better now in terms of the court proceedings and uh, things are more uh, digitalized and centralized. There are more centralized data, although it's not always comprehensive. But at least as a start, we can we can use those centralized data uh, for mm. court decisions, yeah, and also submissions of court uh, uh, cases. We can submit online now, uh, thanks to pandemic, I guess. Yeah. That also expedited the 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 digitalization of. Um, documentations and and systems legal systems in indonesia i yeah. bet that's fantastic progress for you it is it is it is uh, there's always uh uh pros and cons but i would say now mostly the pros the are the, the good sides yeah yeah okay all right well let's um just uh, pause on the lawyer and legal side of things for a moment mm -hmm. and talk about um your hobbies and things that you like Ooh. to do outside of your your day to day work stuff. Uh, hobbies, uh, they're they're pretty much boring. It's like the usual ones, the like watching movie, <laughs> music, listening to music, or watching concert. Uh, now, uh, less live concerts, more uh, on Netflix or YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> but uh and and if i uh i i'd like i would like to say that uh at least working out is kind of a good hobby uh yeah. that i like to do although to be honest it's not always consistent but uh, yeah the things that makes you happy i guess is it's kind of a hobby yeah yeah absolutely so, yeah whenever i think of um or Asia in general, to be honest, but particularly Southeast Asia, where I've spent quite a bit of time. Mm -hmm. And you probably don't think this is a hobby. Ah. But certainly cooking and food. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, that is number one hobby. The, the, the eating part, not the cooking part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I agree, I agree, I agree with you. And again, because... Um, or Indonesia and, and Malaysia and you know, there's so many islands and as you said before, you know, different cultures and ways of life within each of those, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the cuisines can vary so much mm -hmm. with just a very small 
within just a very small, you know, geographical distance. Right, right, right. Traveling, yeah, I would, of course, uh, I forget to mention that traveling is, of course, always, uh, always nice uh, to do. And I think after the pandemic, we tend to appreciate things better or uh, in, uh, in, in a better way, for instance. I never really thought of a uh, road trip as a fun way of doing uh, a <laughs> quick, a quick holiday uh, traveling. But because of the the restrictions for flying, even domestically mm-hmm. uh, during the pandemic, at, uh, at at least in the first year, then we we try to figure out. Uh, we try to find ways of still getting a short break, and then we we travel more with uh, on the road, yeah, by yeah. car. So yeah. That's that's yeah. really appreciated. Yeah, the road trip it's it's very much underestimated, but mm-hmm. um, I, I agree with you uh, because of the restrictions that 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 many of us were under. Uh, mm-hmm. The road trip became a sort of a nice alternative, and that's um, right. Yeah, probably underappreciated before that time. That's right. I agree. So, given that you're a uh, a member of LAW, then uh, travel would definitely be on your uh, hobbies list because it's you know it's such a part of the the LAW way of doing things. Yes, yes, that's true. Uh, more and more, I guess uh, it's exciting to to uh, meet more people and to catch up and to also learn. Uh, different cultures and and habits in different countries and with different people. Mm, yep. Yeah. So that leads me to another question related to LAW, and I guess with the previous guests that we've had on the podcast, talking to them about you know what LAW means to them in general, but not just that because it's made up of its people, and as you said. You know, meeting people in person and learning about their culture and you know where they're from, etc. If you could yeah. name, and it doesn't have to be one person alone, but if you could name a person or people uh, from another member firm in LAW that have inspired you or helped you or influenced you in some way, whether it's personal or professional, it doesn't matter. Um, who who would you name, and and why would that be? Well, I would say Mr. Leon Loganathan. <laughs> Leon, um, uh, Leon, uh, we met the first time when uh, he came to Jakarta six years ago, I think six or seven years ago, uh, to to as an introduction uh, meeting to invite our uh, firm to join um, joining LAW and. Uh, but since then, uh, until now, um, has been a very good friend, and uh, I think personally and professionally, uh, always being there. I, I feel like he's more like a big brother, hmm. uh, I would say, in Indonesia. And of course, there are there are other uh, members uh, from the Asia Pacific. Um, uh, region because uh, we are from Asia Pacific and of course by chance I would meet with them more often uh, uh, the lawyers from Eldon Law Lawrence Stan and also uh, Daniel Paul 
uh, they're very, they're, I, I feel like they're also kind of like big brothers. Uh, the, 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 the silly ones uh, and the hmm. kind of serious ones, there are different uh, types of um, our relationship and also their characters. But all in all, uh, one thing that I'd like to share with uh, the LAW members, but even with my own colleagues in, in AXET, is that the kind of relationship we have in uh, LAW with the other members that is not just like business relationships, you know. We're, we're not mm. just talking about referrals or potential work, but it's more like, uh, yeah, let's talk. Let's, um, what can we do to help you? Uh, I mean, uh, when there were the pandemic, there were some sessions that was uh, shared uh, and helped by LAW that I thought it was a very good initial, um, like it was an emergency kit for pandemic sessions mm. that were very useful. And until now, I think uh, we're still really uh, applying some of those uh, shared during the first months uh, into 2020. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think, uh, again, having spoken to a number of members now on the podcast, I think it just keeps running. It's the one theme that runs through pretty much every episode, and that is uh, while the meetings in person are done for a reason and they're fantastic, it's the relationships that are built mm. around and beyond that that stand the test of time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, Daya, I really appreciate your time and talking to me on the podcast and uh, obviously taking the time out of your busy day. And uh, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, uh, Peter. This has been uh, great and I hope to hear more from the other members too and looking forward uh, to possibility to meet again with you. That would future. be great. Absolutely. Yes. That was Daya Saraswati, partner at Arcset Law Associates in Jakarta in Indonesia. I'll catch you again on the next LAW podcast series episode. You've been listening to the Lawyers Associated Worldwide podcast series with Peter Gowers, the podcast where LAW members go one-on-one -on -one to discuss their professional and personal lives. More episodes coming soon.